Welcome to the Cabin Cast. Your getaway primer. Hey, Eric. Hey, Kristen. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good. Good. Welcome back to the studio. Right. We've been doing several of these from our own places recently or on location. Yeah. So it's good to be back in familiar territory here. Yeah. We've got some interviews coming up that are going to be in the studio, which will be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to that. It's it's actually amazing how technology allows us to talk with people and actually see their face and have the same experience or close to the same experience digitally. But there's nothing like being in the same room and getting that that feeling and being able to see expression and body language and tone and all that stuff is really helpful. Yep. And I feel like you really get to know the person when we haven't met them before. Absolutely. Yes. We have some great interviews lined up um, heading into summer and it's going to be really fun to share those with our audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. We launched the podcast last year, just kind of learning the ropes as we went along in August and, and missed the traditional fun part about lake life and cabin life and that summertime. So it's going to be fun to explore everything that summer has to offer as we move forward. For sure. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. And and it's also fun to just keep hearing the great feedback from all of our listeners and what they're loving um, about certain episodes, the ones that are their favorite or that they connect to or that they call, I think, um, Laura, one of our uh, guests about interior design, got some really good compliments that people learned a lot from her episode. So I know she's somebody that we are going to have a Q&A with coming yep. up. So if anybody has questions for any of our guests we've had on before that after they listened, they had other things they were thinking of, we would love to have them email us at um, getaway at the cabincast.com or DM us on our socials. Uh, and we can get those questions answered. Yeah. And that's been a lot of fun too. So thank you to everyone reaching out on socials for all the things that, you know, just following along with the, the stories. And it's, it's so nice speaking of technology to be able to provide such great visuals. You know, if you missed our last episode that we posted about maple syrup making with Matt and Jed, there's some really fun posts that we've done of Matt making maple syrup, Jed checking the, the levels and pouring out some of the stuff we have more. We'll probably share over time too. And it's, just nice to pair the audio with the visual in such a nice way. It is. It's been one of those great parts about doing um, some of these interviews on location, which I'm excited to do more of those, especially as we can start traveling a little bit more. If we could just freeze time. Yeah. And get right? everything done. Everything at work and home, just freeze for a little bit. And we're going to go and do this today with this person and this with this person and uh, we could show a lot then. I know. Absolutely. So that's something we'll have to keep working on is ways to do on, on site, on location yeah. interviews as we can. But it's fun too, as I, I know what happens here at Roughing It in Style. And then at my shop, White Arrow's Home, you know, we have listeners stop in to see us. And I love the stories they share, especially a lot of them that have um, family cottages and cabins that have been, you know, they've been coming up north or to their getaways um, across the country since they were infants. Yep. There are people that can have pictures of themselves as babies, you know, in the lake that they still go and visit. And one of the things that brings up in my mind are all the legends yeah. that you hear from 
the Northwoods and other places. And I found one that I thought would be fun to share Awesome. online. And then that led me to another one that I have in a book. So I'm excited to share these two things with you. It's so much fun to gather the music and the readings and the things that we bring to these cabin chats. I know I always can't wait to hear what you have to share too, Eric. Yeah. And it's, it's nice. So Chris and I, we, we talk about things in more general terms and what we're going to bring to the, the table, but it's more like, Hey, I have a story. I have a cabin in the news. Oh, I've got a new song to share, but we don't share it with each other beforehand. So either one of us is discovering the story or music or article kind of with along with the listeners. So you definitely get a genuine reaction from us when, when you know, you're hearing it at the same time one of us is too. So that's a fun, yeah. fun way we put that together. It is. It keeps it um, new and fresh for us too. So this article I found online um, is from northwoodsrealty.com and it's the Coldwell Banker Milady Realtors in Manaqua area. And it's the legend, legendary Northwoods Barefoot Charlie. So this article was from 2018. And when we include the link in our show notes, there's pictures on the article too um, that show this barefoot Charlie. Since the late 19th century, the Northwoods, known for its fresh air and clear lakes, attracted visitors from Midwestern cities. Initially, most tourists were fishermen and hunters. As word about the pristine, unspoiled beauty up north spread, so did the numbers of tourists. Resorts and supper clubs began to populate. Some, like Little Bohemia Lodge in Manitouche Waters, Gateway Lodge in Land Lakes, Eagle Waters Resort in Eagle River, and the Northern Resort in Manaqua are still in operation. Throughout the 20th century, the Northwoods became legendary, not only for its natural beauty and impressive resorts, but also for its unique individuals. People will ask if there were any characters up here. Well, pull up a chair and let us tell you about Barefoot Charlie. Barefoot Charlie's given name was Charlie Haas, and I apologize if I did not pronounce that correctly, a woodworker. He would never, despite the cold northern winters, wear shoes or boots. Rumor had it he put on his first pair of shoes when he was three years old, took them off, and never wore them again. People would buy shoes for him, and he'd sell them for money. In the 1930s, he meticulously built a rustic nightclub, complete with hand-carved bar stools, tables, and a large bar. To promote his business, he frequently dressed as a pioneer. His rustic tourist destination was named for his nickname, Barefoot Charlie's. While Barefoot Charlie died in 1970, the nightclub thrived until it burned down from a faulty heater in 1988. Why do people here still talk about Barefoot Charlie? He was unique. He lived an uncompromising life, and he turned his dream into reality. That resonates with many residents in the Northwoods. Many were initially tourists who, after several visits, decided to either have a second home here or make it their primary residence. And we rarely hear any regrets about those decisions. So the pictures of him and all the pictures from back then, he is barefoot. Oh, wow. Okay. So he definitely, it's like a no shoes, no shirt, no problem. Right. Type of thing. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he didn't seem to mind the snow or anything. He must have the toughest feet. I bet he never went for a pedicure. Ever yeah, in his life. I would imagine his feet weren't, they, they didn't call him beautiful foot Charlie. <laughs> no. For, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you know anybody that like wears shorts all winter long? Yeah. My kids try to get away with that as much as possible. My little guy Lachlan doesn't want to wear pants ever. If he does, they're only sweatpants. Uh -huh. So he, you know, every time he sees a pair of shorts, he goes, 
when can I wear shorts again, dad? When can I, and we just got to temper things, you know, like today it's spring, middle of spring and it snowed today. So he's like back to pants and not real happy about it. Yeah. Because he just wants to be in his, in his shorts. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people are just brave, I guess. Yeah. And I think there's just a certain, it must be a certain percentage of population that's way less cold. You know, cold doesn't bother him as much. I don't know if it's a genetic thing or just a force of will thing. There's a guy, and I, I haven't read a ton about him, but his name's Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. He's, they call him the Iceman. I think okay. he's been in a bunch of documentaries where he'll, you know, just go out in polar water and stay underwater for 20 minutes and hold his breath underwater, and he wears barefoot shoes everywhere. I think he may have even hiked Everest. I okay. could be misthinking of him, but, like, in bare feet and walked wow. up. So so he and Charlie would have been friends. They would have been great friends. It just had a lot, of, lot in common. I just know my kids, you know, in the summer, they don't wear shoes and they run across gravel like it's grass. And then I'm like, wait for me. I have to tiptoe across <laughs> this stuff because it hurts, but they don't seem to notice. Oh, yeah. And I sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm training for that at my house when my kids play Legos. It's like the, oh, yes. you know, the legendary stepping on a Lego is oh, the parent speaking of, yeah, everyone's uh-huh. had that late night getting up and. Step on a Lego and it's It's the worst. It's the worst. (laughs) So this guy clearly worked his way through that. He probably, and his, the bottoms of his feet were probably two inches thick, just tough and ride. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So can you imagine saying, oh, we got to stop at this place, honey, because I got to check out this guy's bare feet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Brian would stop for that. And we're not even talking about someone from like the 1880s. No. The guy was in the middle of the, you know, 20th century. Yeah. And. You know, I, I don't know when the, you know, no shoot shirt, no shoes, no service start. Maybe it started up here from him going into Maybe. different other places. He's like, well, they won't let me in any other restaurants, so I guess I'll just open my own. That is a great question. We yeah. could start that legend somehow, Yeah, right? yeah. That Barefoot Charlie started that right. trend. Because how many legends do start like that? You know, when you think about Paul Bunyan, you know, there are just some stories that right. just keep getting passed down. Yeah, and you wonder, it's like, what? where does a story become a legend? There's, there's got to be a tipping point. So it'd be interesting to to find out like what equates to a legend when enough people have heard it, or is it if it's that spectacular or it just travels from word of mouth? Like you wonder if it could even really be true. Yeah, right. Because there's super famous stories like Harry Potter and different things. They're not legends. It's right. not like the legend of Harry Potter. It's just like <laughs> the the story. You know, right. the legend of Lord of the Rings is like no, it has to. You know, it's the legend of Johnny Appleseed and um, you know Paul Bunyan, like you yeah. said. It those become Amer- it's like folklore and legend and right. uh really interesting and i think your next book is going to be a little bit about legends you know what yeah because when i moved to the northwoods there's another town up here called rhinelander and anyone who's from up here or people that have places you know in rhinelander their school mascot is the hodag and if you've ever driven through rhinelander there is a hodag everywhere. They're on the police cars. They're on statues. They're on signs. They're everywhere. And they're these big green dragon looking things with horns and teeth. And I mean, that town embraces it like, like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for us, the hodags are our rivals because we're the Lakeland T-Birds, um, the Thunderbirds. But it's kind of fascinating, this story of the Hodag. So I just knew it as this town's mascot. And then my brother, like two years ago, found this book for me called The Secret of the Flambeau. And he found it in an antique shop in Montana. Um, 
and it's copyrighted 1936. The first chapter is called Into the Northwoods. And I'm starting to read it because the, the flambeau flowage is um, a water source up here. And obviously the Northwoods, I was intrigued. And it's the story of a young teen named Tom whose dad is a district attorney in the 30s. And there's some crooks that are mad at him because they he wants to put them in jail. So he takes his has his wife go to his wife's sisters and then he takes his son Tom up the flambeau flowage to the backwoods to stay with this wolf trapper um, in the back of the woods to keep them safe from these bad guys. So it's this whole exciting adventure book. But while Tom is at this trapper's cabin, he learns about the hodag. And I never knew it was a real Northwoods legend until this book. So I thought I'd read this quick part about it in case other people didn't know. At the table, after a spirited wrangle between the two old cronies, Tom said, It must have been a bear prowling around last night. I woke up and was looking out the window. It was moonlight, but not so very bright. And out there by that little shed was something big and black that moved around quite a bit. It sort of scared me for a minute when it came toward the house, but pretty soon it turned back and disappeared. Think it was a bear, Al? Or could it have been a man maybe looking to see who was here? A man, you say, Al started slightly, then relaxed, smiling. Ain't a man in miles of us, Tom, except Big Frank, and he'd walk right in whether it was day or dark. No, and it wasn't a bear either. It was something worse than that, I'll bet you. Was it big and black and walking on all fours, but raising up on its hind legs every once in a while? Yes, sir, that is. That's the way it seemed to me, said Tom, excited. What was it, Al? What kind of animal acts like that? You better tell him, August. You've had experience with him. That scar on the back of your head means something, I guess. August growled in his beard, for Al had touched a sore spot. But he fell into the spirit of the thing and presently explained. You saw a hodag, Tom. It's large as life and twice as natural. It's a lucky thing you didn't go out and try to catch him. That's what I done once, and that's how I got the scar. Try to catch him, shrilled Tom. Me? You couldn't have gotten me out there with a club. But say, he smiled sheepishly, you're fooling me now, aren't you, August? Isn't he, Al? That hodag story's just something to tell dudes when they come up here in the woods. Dad said so. Calmly, Al reached across the narrow table and seized August's whiskers, pulling his head down so that Tom might see. August howled. Let go of that beard, consarn you. I've been all wiser growing it, ain't I? And I'll cut it off when I'm through with it. You don't have to pull it out by the roots. Tom, said Al, see that scar across the back of his dome? That's what a hodag done to August. So don't let anybody tell you they ain't dangerous. They're poison to children and fools. Fools, hey, rasped the afflicted one. Fool yourself. I wasn't hunting the gosh dang thing. But when you all fixed up that three-horned varmint to fool the professor and left it standing in the path, it ain't no wonder I stumbled over it and got a permanent part in my hair from one of its ten horns. There now, cried Al. You went and let the cat out of the bag. Yes, Tom, it's all just a joke they play in the woods when tender feet gather round. We built that hodag out of a big tin boiler with a flashlight lit inside to make the eye holes shine. It had some rolls of old tin stuck through the front for horns, and we stood it on a sawhorse with a buffalo robe thrown across it. The professor was all ready to bite, too, when August came down the trail and blundered into it. He liked to kill himself. Well, I saw something sure enough, Al, and it wasn't a hodag either, said Tom stoutly. 
It moved around too much, and it went clean away out of sight. Well, it was probably just the changing shadows, my boy, but we'll look and see if there's any bear sign about. Oh. So, the hodag has been legend for a long time. Yeah, it it looks like they used to play tricks on people. Right. Like people do with Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot, or what is it that they tell you to go hunting? Is it to go catch snipe? Or I don't know. What is it that people trick you to go catch and hunt? And oh, catching take, the snipe. You is, have to I take think, a, a bag out. and. Oh, yep, yep. I think I have heard. I don't know a ton about that, but that rings a bell. Maybe it was a Texas snipe. thing. Yeah, it might have been going to send people out hunting snipe. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have something. to check that out. If anyone knows what, what that is. Yeah, that help me with my memory. Yeah, shoot us a... Shoot us a DM. Yeah, or what sure. your – I'd love to hear what other people's legends in their towns and communities are or where their mascot comes from because there's some crazy names out there too, like the Hodag. Yeah, well, it reminds me of uh, Mitch Hedberg was a pretty famous comedian, and I think he has one – he kind of was famous for his one-liners, and one of his joke was just that, you know, maybe the problem isn't that uh, people are – bad at capturing Bigfoot. It's just that he's blurry. He actually is blurry. Like the pictures? Like the pictures. It's not that the camera's out of focus all the time because it's a man in a suit. It's because Bigfoot is actually just blurry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But uh, I mean, legends are so great and it's, it's fun seeing how they just become intertwined with the culture up here. Right. Um, And the whole day, like there, they talk about it being black, but now in, you know, Rhinelander, it's all green. He's just big green monster. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that story, you know, would be a great one to tell around the campfire. Yep. Yeah, like kids, we got a legend to tell you. We got a story to tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. That and that uh, hodags. So look it up. We'll we'll post a picture of the hodag on our our social too. And yeah, just a lot of fun. Even the the names up here. I mean, Thunderbirds. That's that's a legend of the Thunderbird is a Native American legend. And then in Waters Meet, they're kind of famous almost. You know, they were in national news. I think they won the state championship. Their mascot is the Nimrod. Oh, right. Yeah. And Nimrod now is kind of a derogatory term, but it used to, it means mighty hunter. Okay. But Bugs Bunny used to call Elmer Fudd a oh, Nimrod all the time in, you know, sarcastically like, oh, you mighty hunter. And it became a negative thing instead of a positive thing. Right. I believe Nimrod might even be, you know, some god of hunting or something. Okay. But just interesting how they choose, you know, in New Glarus, we were the Glarner Knights, which is like a Swiss knight. Okay. That's not really a legend. That's just a name they made up for a sports team. But up here, they're tied a lot more to the culture, it seems like. Well, and the I remember one of the first teams that we played was all the way over in Michigan, and it was the Kingsford Flivers. And I had no idea what a Fliver was. Um, and it's like a Model T car. Really? Yeah, I guess I should have checked my notes on that. <laughs> that's, that's the way. That's what like, I remember people that, telling that would be, me. That would get a, a little tough to like be amped up as like run out as the mighty flivers. Well, I don't know. I don't want to get run over by a no. Model you don't want to. Yeah, there's probably a lot. Like, they don't have anti lock brakes. There's just problems with control. <laughs> the steering, <laughs> the no steering power is really steering. Bad. That is kind of terrifying, right? It's probably like how many people died in Model T crashes. We should probably have a mascot because it's such a dangerous. Dangerous thing. Okay, we're gonna have to go back and check some of our. Yeah, facts I'm gonna check your notes. Yeah, this is a fact check specialty. <laughs> um, and then Tomahawk is funny. Tomahawk's just south of the store here, and they're the Hatchets because w- what if the name of your city is actually a good mascot name? So True, they, could, I guess, they yeah. can't be the Tomahawk Tomahawks. 
So instead, they're like, oh, we'll do the smaller version of a tomahawk. <laughs> That's the tomahawk hatchets. Yeah. So. Just, I know. It's interesting. So people should definitely send us what their mascots are. Yeah. If you have a fun mascot, we'd love to hear about them and we'll share them with everybody else in a future episode. Yeah. If they're a really scary team or not. The Great Pyramid of Giza, Colossus of Rhodes, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and Roughing It in Style. All of these equal in history and magnitude, but only one you can visit now. You see, roughing it in style may not be ancient, but it's the only wonder that will bring wonder to your world. Roughing it in style is your source for interior design, furniture, reclaimed cabinets, and decor. They have two stores, one out west in Fort Collins, Colorado, and one up north in Harshaw, Wisconsin, 10 miles south of Manaqua. Plan your visit today and find out more at roughingitinstyle.com. What was that? The pyramid's still around? Why didn't anyone tell me? <clears throat> Roughing It in Style, a much better place for your furnishing needs than the Great Pyramid of Giza. When Kristen told me that she was going to read a little blurb about a local legend, I was thinking of different music and songs. And one of the artists that I like to listen to over the years is a, a band named Lord Huron. And they kind of have this cool, eerie vibe. And one of my favorite albums by them is called Strange Trails or Strange Trail. And there's some great songs in there. So check that out. But they just have two new songs that launched for their upcoming album is called Long Lost. And they really do a great job of kind of exploring things a little eerie and pull things from the past. And whether it's um, a little bit of a Western vibe um, mixed with more modern rock songs, it's it's a really a fantastic band. Everyone sh should check them out. And the Lord Huron is an American indie folk band. Founding member Ben Schneider began writing music in his hometown of Lansing, Michigan. Schneider formed Lord Huron as a solo project, recording his first few EPs entirely on his own and steadily adding members to help play live shows. The band's name was inspired by Lake Huron, the lake which Schneider grew up on visiting. He spent evenings at the lake playing music around the campfire. So this Love is... That. Not Dead Yet from their upcoming album, Long Lost. And let me know if this gives you a little bit of uh, kind of legend vibes. I love the beat of it, and it makes me – it's a perfect road trip song is what I kept thinking, too. Like, 
the you can hear the wheels turning and watching the road go by. Yeah, the road go by and they do they it, they pick up on things. There's like a little bit of Beach Boys in there and then it's got a little bit of a haunting vibe underneath yeah. of it. And I I don't know how they do it if but they evoke a time past while bringing like really interesting future True. vibes too. And their, their music videos are really great and they're just really, really fantastic artists. So check them out again. That's Lord Huron. And we'll, we'll share some stuff and put it, add it to our playlist. Well, and listening to them, I'm like, wait, I know them. So I just had to peek on my phone and one of my favorite songs is them time to run. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's some good stuff. Good stuff for sure. Yeah, so I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, and then kind of the last thing we have is a, a cabins in the news story. This I love is an, these. Yeah, this is an article that I read. It just caught my eye, and we'll we'll post this one to Instagram too. It's a beautiful, beautiful little cabin. This tiny California cabin is inside an ancient volcano crater, and its glass walls let you take in the view. So we'll share a picture of it. It's just a gorgeous A-frame, and this is an article from Travel and Leisure. Taking a vacation where you can get back to nature is an excellent way to unplug, and this off-grid Airbnb is perfect for outdoorsy, adventure-seeking people. This small glass and redwood cabin near Barstow, California is not your typical off-grid locale. Not only does this triangular glass-sided design make it a modern, unique place to stay, it's also located in the middle of a 10,000-year-old volcanic crater. Wow. Yeah. So this is cool. It's it's just got like glass walls. So it's a glass, almost uh, tent shape and no plumbing, no power, but there are shades for the cabins, all glass siding to keep it cool during the day and a breezeway for ventilation. So it sounds pretty rustic. It sounds amazing. And it makes me think back to um, the interview we did with Bennett Young yes. and all the cool cabins that he's gone to visit and photograph. and. Wondering where people would recommend, you know, there may be amazing getaways like this one that people could tag us in to share the photos on Instagram or let us know that we should let people know more about them. Yeah. And if you're in that area, you can stay there. It's volcanic off-grid log cabin listing on Airbnb. So we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So people, if they want to stay, we'd love, Hey, someone go stay there and tell us what it's like. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. I, I'd be a little concerned you're in this volcanic crater, right? And you're <laughs> there with your, your wife's stomach rumbles and everyone just right? like panics because you're wondering if uh, you're going to be sent to the moon. Well, that, okay. I'm off topic, but that reminds me of a story that Brian and I were camping years ago and it, we were camping somewhere where there had been an attack on somebody previously and we're in our tent. Cause we usually camp in a tent and it was just he and I, cause we were on our way somewhere and we stopped to camp on the way. And in the middle of the night, he sits up and screams, what was that? And then he goes back to sleep. So the rest of the night I'm wondering what that was. And he just was talking in his sleep. So when you think about, you hear that stomach crumbling in a volcano. Yeah. Like, what was that? You wouldn't be able to sleep the rest of the night. Well, it was probably a hodag. Yeah. He probably, he probably heard a hodag. Yeah. 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 When I was uh, first married to Sam, I, that happened. Sam went to the bathroom to get a glass of water in the middle of the night and came back in. And I was in that half sleep, half awake and just saw a figure standing in the door. Oh my gosh. So, and we were home, we were by ourselves, and I thought she was next to me. Like the pillows were kind of, piled up next oh, to me. Oh, you're giving me chills. So I 
I jumped out of bed and just went ah and screamed as loud as I could at her. And she just like her water fell. probably went I know, her face. she almost fell over backwards. <laughs> and she just said, Well, now I know what you would do if someone ever broke into the house. I don't have to worry if you'd be like the, the kind to run or run away. And you know, I wasn't even thinking it was just like pure reaction, adrenaline, right. and where your fight or flight response kicked in. <laughs> I'm like, I am so sorry. <laughs> She's like, oh, my gosh. Your fighter scream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it just, you know, always something. But, I mean, I was probably worried at the time it was a hodag, too. Those are, right. you really do have to worry about those things. Those hodags, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's been fun catching up, and we got some awesome stuff down down the lane here. It's going to be a fun spring, and we're really excited to, like I mentioned at the top of the show, explain really what things are going on in the summer and kind of experience all of that and share that with everyone. Yeah, it'll be fun. Because even though it's just Eric and I often here in the studio, we do feel like we're really having conversations with our with our listeners. Yes. So it's it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And things as things continue to open up and and people kind of spread out a little more, we'll keep working in interviews as people are more and more comfortable as we can all get together and life hopefully goes back to normal. We can really explore a lot of the wonderful characters and people, not just in the Northwoods, but kind of in the country. And now that we've learned how to interview people remotely, it gives us an open opportunity to share the cabin cast with them and to bring them on to share people's experiences from different areas too. Yep. And we may even, we've talked about this too. If one of us ends up going on a trip somewhere and they can connect, there may be some more solo interviews or if we can, you know, pipe in the other person and, and share we're we're looking at those opportunities too so thanks for listening to the cabin cast and we'll see you guys soon thanks so much for listening to this episode of the cabin cast you can find details and more information in the show notes on our website at www.thecabincast.com be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you won't miss a single episode Follow us on your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The CabinCast. We'd also love to hear from you. We want to hear your getaway and cabin stories. For a chance to have your story featured on an upcoming episode, email us at getaway at Until next week, enjoy the journey.